Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us. I'm very thankful to be your host. And if you're listening to this on the day it came out, Merry Christmas. I do know many, if not maybe most, listen to it at other times. But anyhow, we're in Unearthing the Bible, a wonderful book by Titus Kennedy. We welcome you here today. And we're using this kind of as a textbook and have for several of our morning podcasts for quite some time. We intersperse some other things and then we have a night podcast about every other night somewhere in that neighborhood. So again, thanks for being here. Do share with your friends and family. And we're going to be looking at the Polytarch inscriptions, the city authorities of Thessalonica. And this is one of those instances of which there is so many that... People would point to the Bible is wrong until archaeology proves it right. Like the Hittites is another example of this. But they were saying uh, Luke was using wrong terminology for city officials in Thessalonica until they found archaeological evidence of that is what they called these city officials in Thessalonica in the first century A.D. So this particular find, A.D. 155, Obviously, that's a little after the New Testament era next century. But the city authorities of Thessalonica, Polytarch inscription, good picture in Mr. Kennedy's book. Appreciate him writing this. So let's get started. Again, share with your friends, family, church, family. Let's get the word out. The Bible is true. The city of Thessalonica in Macedonia, named after Princess Thessalonica Key, came under Roman control in 168 BC, but was made a free city. During the Roman period, Thessalonica was ruled by local officials with the Greek title Polytarch, meaning city ruler. Early archaeological excavations or explorations at Thessalonica discovered an official stone inscription adjacent to the Vardar Gate on the west side of the city, which specified Polytarchs as the leaders of the city in the first century AD. Subsequent discoveries and research demonstrated the position of Polytarch was an annual magistracy in use in the free cities of Macedonia province, named after Philip of Macedon, father of Alexander the Great, uh, starting in the Roman period, and there were multiple polytarchs in office at once rather than a single ruler. And so, so much of archaeology is kind of like that. You assume one thing, and there's so many layers. When I say layers, not just of findings, but of the significance of the findings. The majority of the recovered Polytarch inscriptions have been discovered in Thessalonica, indicating the continuous use and prominence of this particular position in Thessalonica and around Macedonia from the 1st century B.C. to the 3rd century A.D. I still remember my pastor, he was a missionary evangelist, and talking about Thessaloniki and that's how it's pronounced now, I guess, in writing the massive Ferris wheel with the missionary over there in Thessaloniki. In fact, one polytarch recorded on a first century AD inscription from Thessalonica was Aristarchus, who shares the same uncommon name, time, period, and citizenship as Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, who also became a Christian and friend of Paul, suggesting at least the possibility that Aristarchus mentioned in Acts may have been uh, noted in a first century inscription from Thessalonica, but we don't know that for sure. But it was an uncommon name. By the time of the Apostle Paul arrived in uh, AD 49, thereabouts, Thessalonica was the capital and most important city of Macedonia province. I love the, I think there's one by Gregory, 
the biographies of Paul that uh, kind of had the dates and the distances of where he's traveling and all those. I, I always, I personally enjoy them. As was mentioned in the previous section, Paul followed his regular protocol and reason from the scriptures in the synagogue for three Sabbaths, which resulted in some of the Jews, many of the God-fearers, and even certain women of the elite becoming Christians. That term God-fearers is another archaeological discovery that really shows the accuracy of scripture. And these would be people who believed in the Jewish God but had not gone through the proselytization process. And, uh, you know, and we have them, probably most people at their churches, that uh, people who come in and are like, yeah, this is true. And uh, maybe they just haven't, you know, gotten saved yet or anything. However, I did that. I went to church for months saying, well, this is the truth. I just never made a move towards God for whatever reason. I would cry, but whatever. <laughs> However, those who were unpersuaded formed a mob and accused Paul and the Christians of sedition stating that he was upsetting the empire, breaking the decrees of Caesar, and swearing allegiance to another king. Because Paul and his team could not be immediately found, the mob instead brought Jason and other local Christians before the polytarch. There was no legal authority to prosecute on the basis of a religious dispute. This is all found in Acts 17, by the way. But a bond or fine was paid before their release, and Paul was obligated to leave the city, presumably by order of these polycarps, in order to avoid a riot. So incredible stuff. But, you know, the emphasis on the polycarp inscriptions, just once again, and this is, you know, I'll just tell you, and I kind of did this subconsciously, I wasn't doing it consciously, when uh, I first became a Christian, I went into, you know, after a little while, I went into everything assuming the Bible is wrong in every sphere of existence, and I was always shocked when it was right. But you do that for enough years, and you find so many instances where people said the Bible is wrong, and oops, we found something, and now the Bible's right, you know. that And again, this was not really a conscious thing. I guess this is just my skeptical nature. The Bible talks about wrath and doubting as kind of, something men struggle with in 1 Timothy 2.8, I was just a doubter, that I just flipped the switch and I began doing the hypothesis. Well, let's assume the Bible's right till somebody proves me wrong. And it just doesn't happen. It's like, whoa. Now, there's a lot of alleged discrepancies, but no provable at all. So uh, anyhow, tomorrow, God willing, we'll be looking at the altar of the unknown God. We know our God is Jesus Christ, God in flesh, and uh, serve him. What a gift you could give him on this Christmas as he gave to us so many years ago. So we love you. God bless you. Talk with you later. And uh, read and obey Acts 2.38 is the summation of how to become a Christian and then become a disciple. That's Christian living, living the epistles. God bless. We love you. Bye-bye.